On Wednesday, the president reminded us that last Sunday was the 150th anniversary of the ratification of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, which abolished slavery. He said, Our freedom is bound up in the freedom of others, regardless of what they look like or where they come from or what their last name is or what faith they practice. Unless we are all free, no one is free. Freedom arrived in Bethlehem as an infant a long, long time ago when God came to live in this world with us. I know it sounds corny, and its corniness is a sign of how far away the world has come from the belief in God. God arrived as Jesus, a poor Jew in a small oppressed country owned by the Roman government. Jesus grew up with a distinct interest in the poor, the sick, and the outcast. In fact, he and his whole community might have been seen as poor and marginalized themselves. And to these people, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said, in effect, my life, my death, my resurrection is evidence that God is living among you now. Not that God is coming in the future, or if you're lucky, you might see God after you die, but that God is actually now in the world. And you won't be able to recognize that until you turn away from the idea that salvation comes from your ancestors, from your birthright, from your adherence to religious laws, or even from your prayers and sacrifice. All that belief in your specialness, in your genetic power, in your deservingness only divides you from the rest of the world. And the whole world belongs to the Father. Salvation only comes from the Father's love for you. So Jesus says, my death and resurrection are meant to show you that this sojourn on earth is merely a phase of your lives with God. It's not over when it's over. So when the word of God came to John the Baptist, that surly eater of locusts out there in the Jordan River, where the Israelites, remember, crossed over from slavery into freedom, which is undoubtedly the reason John was out there. When the word of God came, it was not that God was coming to rescue the Jews, but that God was about to come into the world and live there permanently. John didn't say, guess what, people? Your rescuer is here. He said instead, let's get clear. The only way out of this oppressed, disenfranchised hell is to change your attitude and then live like you mean it. When the kingdom of God comes near, it is within you. The kingdom of God is not a place. It is not a somewhere. It is a relationship, a way of being in community with God and with each other. And the only way to resist the powers of chaos and oppression and death and destruction which threaten to annihilate us, says John, and then Jesus, is to repent. To repent. To turn again. To turn again to the God in whom there is no space and no time and all space and all time. It's mind-bending. Repentance, then, is a change in attitude. Isaiah says... Surely it is God who saves me. 
I will trust in him and be not afraid. What would that be like, to be not afraid ever? Resistance to oppression, especially to the oppression of one's own soul, can only come from the willingness to value oneself so deeply that one recognizes the manifestation of something great inside. Nobody who believes he or she is worthless can believe that he or she is the manifestation of God in this world. People who heard John the Baptist out there in the water telling them that their thousands-of-year-old ideas were all wrong were aghast. What's to be done about it? John says, act like you really believe in the second commandment. Take yourselves so seriously as members of the children of God that you treat each other like siblings. You don't let siblings starve or get cold or grieve or be shunned and rejected. No one is free unless everybody's free. In this country, we are witnessing the rise of paranoia and persecution in the wake of terror. Our culture tells us that salvation is possible through external means, through the rise of military might or maybe economic pressure. Our culture tells us that we are in grave danger from which we can only be saved by isolation and exclusion of those who might threaten our security and our wealth. And so the church brings us Advent so that we might have a dedicated season when we look into ourselves and see what we are doing to prevent the birth of God inside each of us. To what might we have enslaved ourselves? What dark things might we have whispered to ourselves which keep us from the radical freedom of grace? Is it that I don't deserve it? I can't handle it? I might blow it? Because when we know how we have kept ourselves enslaved, we can repent. We can turn away. We can turn back toward freedom. To believe that heaven is within us, that we can let the whole wild, mysterious divinity manifest in us and through us is really countercultural. The great Howard Thurman, mentor to Martin Luther King, said, The movement of the Spirit of God in the hearts of men often calls them to act against the spirit of their times or causes them to anticipate a spirit which is yet in the making. Advent is the season for the anticipation of the spirit which is yet in the making in each of us. Advent is the time to make straight the path for the birth of Christ in us. Because when Christ is manifest in us, then the anguish will stop. The unquenchable fires, as it were, are things already known to us. They also are not a place. They are not a destination. They are not something that happens after death. They are happening now. They are the misery and pain in our lives. They are sickness, misfortune, violence, loss, bigotry, war. Each of us have lived in hell already. The advent of Christ in us will release us from that suffering because when the truth comes, we will stop generating all that anguish. Facing the truth in our lives, listening to the call of the wild spirit to dance with her, 
will force us to put down those things which keep us from being truly free. For me, this is what it means to be baptized with the Spirit in fire, to face the truths within us, to acknowledge the ways in which we keep ourselves from grace, really is baptism by fire. I have a client who has terrible colitis. She's had it for a long time. It's much better now. And it took me a while, but I realized that when she was hurting the most was when she was angry with people she loved. And I would say to her, so you're mad. She would say, but I'm not mad. My stomach hurts. And I would say to her, well, your guts are really mad. And then we said this for years to each other. And then finally she says to me, well, I guess I must be really mad. My guts hurt. I guess I'll do something about that. Freedom. Baptism by fire. God is here. God is in this church. We are invited, I think, to wonder where God wants to enter into each of us and set us free. The man of peace is going to come again, and he wants to come through us. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.